This episode features a conversation I had with Nate Skelly of Financial Pathway. Now, Nate is no stranger to the podcast. He is a financial advisor and planner, and he is really an incredible resource for churches, pastors, and really anybody who wants to understand more about being wise stewards of their finances. He gives advice on investing, planning, and so on and so forth. He does have a podcast, and you can connect with him at his website, nateskelly.com. Now, there is a resource that we refer to, the Confronting Poverty Theology Report. And if you want to access that, make sure that you see the link in the show notes or simply go to mustincrease.com slash nate. That's mustincrease.com slash nate. If you're watching or listening, it might be helpful to follow along with this report because we refer to it pretty often throughout the conversation. Well, I want to thank you so much for joining us for today's episode. As we look to increase truth and inspire hope in the lives of others, welcome to the Must Increase Podcast. I love Loom, man. Loom, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I discovered it, uh, what, yeah, like beginning of last year. And I did the free version, you know, for the longest time where I think you give it like 25 videos. And then I immediately was like, no, I'm just going to pay for it because it is Mm -hmm. so worth, you know, what it does and everything. So, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Um, do you, you use the, did you say you use the free version or do you use the paid version? I, I, I use the paid version now. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah. The, I've, I've just only had the free version so far and it's been fine. Like usually I'll use it just like if somebody has a question and I'm like, let me get back to you on that. But I also want to give a little bit deeper explanation, especially a visual explanation. Like mm-hmm. I can go into a client's account and be like, okay, so look at this. So this is, this is this here, or this is how you open it or you go and click this. Actually, I, I probably should expand on that um, as part of like my onboarding process to have some mm-hmm. sort of general explainer videos. Um, I just I feel like it's so much more helpful. Yeah, it really is, and um, that's kind of that's kind of what I've started doing. Like that video that I just sent you, um, I actually made that originally for uh, Matt Gleb when I had him on, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, oh yeah, like as long as I don't say somebody's name at the beginning, you can take it and share it with the next yep. guy, you know? Yep. So it, it is, it is, uh, yeah. So I have, I, I, I need to do more with it, like you're saying, but I have a lot of, um, uh, 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 I say a lot, I have a handful of them that I've made. And so whenever, mm-hmm. you know, uh, a client or something happens, I'm just like, oh, I've got this video, check it out. You know, it's right. Like it's talking about great. efficiency of your time too. Right when yeah. the same issue comes up, you just, yeah, here it is. There's how to that, do it. That's, that's the other reason I went ahead and upgraded to the paid version because, you know, you don't have the, I, I kept running into the 25 video limit. And so I'd go and like delete old ones. And I was like, yeah, okay. And, and you, you have the five minute limit too, which sometimes I need to go a little bit longer. So, um, right. yeah, it's, it's worth it. Now uh, Dropbox just came out with something and because I've had Dropbox, like been paying for Dropbox for years, and they just came out with like an equivalent to it called mm-hmm. Capture. Um, it's it's basically the exact same thing, but um, I don't know. There's something about the interface that's not quite doing it for me. 
um, because mm. I'm like, well, I'm already paying for Dropbox. I could drop Loom, but I don't know. Loom just seems to do it still better. The nice thing about the Dropbox one is you can you can like create uh, GIFs, GIFs, whatever they're called. Um, so you can you can like do a little little screen recording. Obviously, it's not going to do audio, but it's going to generate just a little a little GIF that you can send, and then somebody can you know. Why? I mean, it's good for like a short, like, oh, yeah. 20, 30 second quick. So uh, that's yeah. another one that's, that's out there. Loom so does that or, or Dropbox does that? Dropbox. I haven't seen, I don't think Loom does that, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, because I mean, I don't, I'm like, is, is Loom going to sue Dropbox? Because it literally is just a straight ripoff. Like even, even the way yeah. it lays out and the interface and everything. So I'm sure they'll just steal yeah. features from each other. But if you're already like paying, it, what's up? I was just going to say, I feel like it'd be hard to trademark screen recording though. Oh, yeah. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. I'm more, I'm more looking at it from the angle of, like I said, the layout, the interface, like it looks yeah. very similar, but yeah, I mean, how it's, it's screen recording, you know, I mean, I used to use uh, just QuickTime built into the Mac for the longest time to do screen recordings uh, before oh. I discovered Loom. Um, yeah. I didn't realize that was a thing. Yeah, yeah, but Loom lets you, you know, add the little, you know, the little thumbnail of your face and the camera in the bottom. And I just like how it's yeah. in real time, basically uploading it. And so within seconds of finishing, depending on your internet speed, it's just ready to go. So, mm -hmm. and the transcript feature, that's another reason I paid for it. It'll transcribe um, the audio and the video. And so um, if somebody, it, it automatically generates the subtitles. And if somebody, because um, what I'll do sometimes is, some people it depends because some people are like they they like the video and then some people are like uh i don't want to watch a video i'm not in a place where i can you know watch it and listen to it right now so sometimes i'll just send over the video and then i'll paste the transcript in the email too and be like hey you know here's a rough transcript if you don't have time to watch this right now um yeah. and that seems to help or you paste the transcript in chat gpt and it cleans it up and makes it all um, <laughs> and makes it all like actual, uh, like not looking like a rough transcript. So, yeah, yeah it's uh, Have you used that a, a good bit in, for, for your purposes. You, you know, it's one of those things where I I have I can think of applications for it, but I just never like I not never. I just I just have to remind myself like, oh, it's there. And I feel like every anytime I get on it, it's it's down. You know, it, it's like down half the time. Um, of course, now you can pay like 20 bucks a month, basically just paying for it to never go down. Like you, you get like priority access and some other features oh. and stuff. So, um, I'm I mean, sure the free version is still out there, but yeah. Yeah. Like I, I'm sure there's ways I could probably use it, but it almost feels like a chore to try to think of something for it to do for me other than just playing around with it, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean. So I know you and I have talked about how you want to do more with like your blog and writing before. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you can just tell it like, hey, give me a 500 word blog post about whatever the stock market. So that's probably right. too broad and it'll it, but it'll generate it. Um, and then can you can even say like, like, could I feed into it like audio from my podcasts? Is that well, is that a option? So that's like I said, if you have something that'll transcribe it like loom, which will, you know, um, oh, like right. I said, so, so yeah, another thing I've done is, and I've only done yeah. this a handful of times. I went to, um, a video 
that I made, like a shorter video, copied the transcript, fed it to chat GPT and said, hey, turn this into a blog post that's a thousand words. And it spits it out. And then I take it and I paste it on, you know, as a blog post on my website. Now, the mm -hmm. the issue with that is that Google is already um, already getting programmed the algorithms to check and detect. Like you can, like a machine yeah. can detect if a machine wrote it, basically. And right. so, you know, and so if you're, I'm sure that right, like in the, in the near future, we'll get away with it, but eventually it's going to get to where basically I'm sure Google will say, okay, if a real person didn't write this, we're not going to give you the search results you're looking for, you know, which, right. okay, that, that kind of keeps everything human and fair and whatever. But um, yeah, there, there's a lot of applications for it. Like I'm, I yeah. mean, it's scary on one hand, but it's really interesting uh, on, on the other. Well, like, I think it's BuzzFeed. They've already been doing a ton of articles that are just AI generated, you know? Yeah. Like, a, and, and not, and not like, not like publicly broadcasting, like, hey, hey, we're doing AI generate, but, but it's also not like a big secret either. It's not like they're like yeah. trying to, oh, no, no, shh. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, cause that's the thing. Like, like, I don't know. Like, people are trying to make it out to be an ethical thing, but I'm like, well, you're not plagiarizing cause it's, it's a machine. Like you're just, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's yeah. not your original work necessarily, but like when it, it, for example, like I said, if I take a video that I did or a podcast episode, have it just take the transcript and just have it cleaned up. That's my original work. They're just like, the machine mm -hmm. is just cleaning it up for me. And I don't know, like, right. again, it, it's, it is definitely interesting and a new interesting world of tech uh, that yeah. we're, we're entering into. Yeah, I mean, it, it's scary in a lot of ways, like what, like, I think the the thing that for me right now is the even scarier one is like deep fake technology. Mm, uh, yes, like the ability yes. to take, you know, like a Joe Rogan or Joe Biden, or just like any person you want, and make it seem like they're saying whatever. Yeah, and it's like, how do you and like, especially like in politics, like this upcoming presidential election, like, are we going to see something like that? Are we going to see some kind of like, deep fake video where it shows a candidate saying something like really like off base and you're mm -hmm. like, wait a second, you know? Yeah. Or conversely, can that just be the excuse? Mm -hmm. No, that's a deep fake. That's, that's just, uh, that's just generated. You know, that's not yeah. real. And yeah. it's just, you know, whatever you want to believe, you'll just believe about it. You know, yeah, if, if you mean, don't like the person, you'd be like, no, it's real. If you like the person, you'd be like, oh, it's obviously fake. Yeah, I mean, we are we are within years of it being unrecognizable, you know, between because like now, yeah, the deep fake stuff, like you can still kind of tell, but yeah. I mean, it's getting freakishly close. <laughs> there's a there's this account that pops up on Instagram every once in a while, and all that they do is they they take Arnold Schwarzenegger's face and voice and they impose it onto the faces and voices of like popular movie scenes. So yes. like they did it with like um on Titanic. Like I just saw one with Titanic and whatever. And like it's the girl. So she's like all the like, you know, flirting with Leonardo DiCaprio and all this stuff. And it but it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. And it's so disturbing, but it's hilarious. <laughs> um and so I and, but it, and it does like it like you obviously know it's not real, but it looks right. very real. So yeah, yeah, it's uh it, it is crazy stuff, but um well, hey, you you sent over this uh, uh, survey report report from the mm -hmm. survey you did. So um, yeah. I've kind of skimmed it over, but man, if you want to kind of just kind of take the take it away and kind of maybe 
just start the conversation about this and then you know, yeah. I'll, uh, I'll just kind of ask questions and we'll just, we'll just do like we've done. Hey, welcome back. Yeah. It's been a while. It's been, yeah. this is your, is your annual podcast appearance. So, yeah. Um, well, although I'm trying to think, I mean, I didn't actually go back and look, I don't even know if I made a 2022 appearance. So maybe I was put on timeout for a little while. Oh, put maybe, on no, I feel like you did. I feel like you did. Uh, I maybe, feel like it, maybe it's always around this time. It's always somewhere between. Yeah, like, so maybe it was early 2022. Maybe that's why it felt feels a long time ago. Maybe. Well, yeah. you know what? I'll I'll get you back on here as often as you want to come. I mean, you're welcome anytime. So there's that I open will. invitation. Um, but no. <laughs> so here is the premise of your. Uh, you did this survey. And you've got that you kind of generated this uh, report uh, based off of this. And, and by the way, is this available anywhere on your like your website? Or I mean, like I can throw a link to the show notes or, or whatever if if you want to make this yeah. available. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to make this available. I I put it out there a while back, so you'd have to search scroll pretty far back in my in my Facebook feed to find the link to get it. But yeah, I'll 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 provide a link. You can put it in the show notes, and and if you okay. want to download this. So like yeah, the premise behind it was a financial pathway, which is which is my business, and I do investment management, financial planning. Just by default, I was working with a lot of pastors, a lot of ministry leaders, because you know my dad's pastor, and and mm-hmm. I went to Bible college, and this is it's a lot of people that I know, and a lot of people that know me. So it wasn't purposeful. It wasn't like I'm going to be a financial planner for pastors, ministry leaders, but that's who my message was resonating a lot with. And that's what I have connections mm-hmm. with. So I thought I really need to do some due diligence and understand very carefully, like, like take a very close look at what are the unique financial challenges that are facing mm-hmm. pastors, particularly ministry leaders in general, maybe, maybe you're not a pastor, but maybe Christian school principal, maybe a missionary, like just, you know, within Christian ministry, generally speaking, and um, and I feel like, you know, especially in this world that I'm in, in financial planning, it's so broad. Like there's so many different possible things that people are facing, different scenarios. It's hard to be a generalist when it comes yeah. to financial advice. It just really is. And I think more and more what we're seeing in our world is people that want to be excellent in the advice and planning that they give probably should have a specialty, probably should have an area of expertise because not only does that make it more efficient for your client, but it also makes it more efficient for you. If most of the questions and issues that I'm facing are common, then I really become the subject matter expert. And then for the person that I'm working with, it makes it so much easier for them because instead of me constantly having to say, well, you know, actually, I don't really know. I've never run into that. Let me do some research. Let me try to find out for that, find out about that for you. No, I already know. Well, here it mm-hmm. is. This this is the rule. This is what it is for housing allowance. This is what it is for, you know, four or three Bs or whatever the issue happens to be. But I just I just wanted to know a little bit more emotionally, um, a little bit more of the thought process behind all of this, not just the numbers and figures. So yeah. I did dozens of interviews. I sent out a bunch of surveys to mostly pastors, but but just several different ministry leaders in different um different roles. And I asked them the same questions, and I just really kind of tried to get down to this. What are the unique financial challenges that pastors face? And um, just a little bit of background on this, Luke, for probably most of the people listening know my dad, Kurt Skelly, and you may not really yeah, know Yeah, a few his. people know of him, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know how how 
broad or, you know, I just know a lot of people that you know, and I know, you know, know my dad. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so I, but maybe not everybody kind of knows Kurt Skelly before he had a very public ministry and, and mm-hmm. you know, spoke at conferences and, and that, that sort of thing. He, so he grew up in Connecticut after Bible college. He, um, he moved to Connecticut, worked at a, at a church there. So he was the youth pastor. He was teaching in the Christian school. He planted a church. Like this is all simultaneously now. These are not mm-hmm. like at different points at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Youth pastor, Christian school teacher, uh, church planter. So he would go on Sunday afternoons and go up to Enfield, Connecticut, wow. and and um, and and do after you know do afternoon services there. He worked at the car rental agency on Saturday. Um, one night a week, he would work at a care home facility. He had we had. It was me and my two, me and my two brothers at the time. So three kids, and uh, you know he was just doing all of these things. He made fifteen thousand dollars a year. Wow, like accumulatively like, from all of those different side jobs. It was gigs? fifteen. Yeah, I yeah, I fifteen thousand dollars a year. Like now, I mean, this is back in early nineteen nineties. Yeah. So I mean, adjust for inflation, but like still, even if you adjust for inflation, that's not a it's lot not great. of money. Yeah. Um, and living in Connecticut, pretty expensive area of the country to live in. You know, we were just barely making it by. And as a kid, you don't really know any different. You know, we lived in this small apartment complex and, and you know, my dad had a little Toyota that drove around everywhere and like, and we were fine. And yeah. he'll tell you that it wasn't like, oh, boohoo, poor me. You know, like it was great. We, we had a wonderful, it was a wonderful season of life and, and, and he loved what he did. But it was just... That was, I think, the mentality for many, many years in ministry mm-hmm. was you don't like m- money is you don't think about the money. You just yeah. serve God. You just go 100 miles an hour and do everything and trust God to take care of you. And I think that mentality has changed. And I think it's a good thing. Obviously, anybody who's going to be going into ministry for the money, the joke's on you. because yeah. that's <laughs> almost definitely not going to be the case, you know, unless you're Kenneth Copeland or Joel Osteen, you know. Yeah. Money's not, <laughs> money's not usually that great. But at the same time, there are some very real challenges that came along with that. And I think for a lot of guys in my dad's generation and older, what they were told, maybe explicitly or at least, you know, uh, subconsciously was you work, serve God, and you just trust him to provide and you really don't take any steps on your personal finances retirement mm-hmm. what is that you retire when you're dead like yeah um and and i think that's actually been very very detrimental to yeah. a lot of pastors and ministry leaders and i think right now what we're seeing is a lot of this my generation is coming into the saying i'm not going to do the same thing because what they're seeing mm-hmm. is a lot of older pastors who are 65 70 75 even older sometimes and they mm. literally cannot retire. Yeah. Like they can't get, yeah. get out of ministry because they don't have anything. A lot of them opted out of social security on top of mm-hmm. that. Um, mm-hmm. That's like, that's, that, that wasn't even really part of the survey, but that's I, you know, like, so they have nothing. They have literally nothing to fall back on. They haven't saved for retirement. And so they need a paycheck. And so here they are still working in a church, still pastoring, and they're well beyond their prime. And not only are they struggling, 
but their churches are struggling yeah. because it's time for them to move on. It's time to mm-hmm. hand over the workload to somebody who's younger and has more energy and more vision and all of that. And so it's just, it's collateral damage is what yeah. it is. So, um, so I talked to pastors and I, I, you know, I asked them questions about their unique personal challenges and just a, a bunch of different questions. So, um, yeah, the, the the results were really interesting. Um, I'm curious as you read through the because it's it's like nine or ten pages. It's not like a, it's not like a book. Um, yeah, no, it's it's an executive summary. I I'm just curious what what stood out to you as far as because I just sent that over to you here. Um, yeah, yesterday. last night. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, I think for me, it, it's really this premise of um the way you describe this of of confronting poverty theology um because it it contrasts and maybe with the idea of uh prosperity gospel you know mm-hmm. um and because that's another thing not to chase that rabbit too far but you talked about you said Joel Osteen and Kenneth Copeland in particular. And that's kind of one of the things that, uh, well, Kenneth Copeland in particular, that's, that's what he preaches. He pre big time prosperity gospel preacher, which is, you know, if you, if you're, if you're, if you are struggling financially, it's because you don't have enough faith, you know? Um, and so I, I, I see the poverty, uh, theology as the opposite end of that spectrum, uh, kind of like your Calvinism versus Arminianism. Like it's two extreme, you know, viewpoints of, of God's sovereignty in that case. And this to me seems like two extreme viewpoints of, of prosperity gospel. Hey, if you believe it, you can have it, you can achieve it and you'll be wealthy for it. But then poverty theology here, as you put it of, uh, yeah, um, you just don't worry about the money. God will take care of you. You'll be fine. And, I, you know, there's dangers to both, you know, kind of, like I said, sides of, of that, that, that extreme, those extremes rather. So I think for me, it's just, well, I'm more fascinated with the premise of it. And, you know, like I said, as I've over, I've, you know, just given it a quick overview, I, I can also relate. Cause it's like, I've been here. Um, you and I both at one point served as I believe Christian school teachers. I know I did. And I think you did at one time too. Yep. And they are, uh, that's kind of the notorious position that's like, yeah, that's definitely entry level. Uh, you know, ministry is already going to yeah. be low pay. Uh, and Christian school teachers, like I said, that's definitely even, the entry level position. Yes. Yeah. And um, and I do. I mean, I remember and this is I'm not blaming anybody. It's just it was my mindset. I mean, when I entered into full time ministry when I was 21 years old, um, you know, I just thought, yeah you know, as long as I can pay my bills and get by, like, I'm not going to worry about, you know, retirement or whatever, because my, that was my, my mindset was I'll work till I'm dead. And actually, Nate, it was when, um, actually several years later, when I had gotten out of ministry, started my own business, and I talked to you, um, you kind of helped me understand the value of that long-term savings and investment and retirement. Um, because it finally clicked with me, uh, obviously there's a lot of components to it, but the, the part that clicked with it for me was you showed me that, Hey, this is, this is the idea of getting your money working for you. Like you're not, you're not just putting it in a savings account where you're saving, no, you're, you're investing and it's growing, you know? And so, you know, the idea is like, by the time you are older, if something happens, you know, because some people, as long as they're healthy, they're going to be working and that's fine. 
But the idea is that you've got that to that money working for you. And even if, you know, God forbid something happened to your health and you can no longer work, uh, you are going to still be provided for. And so anyways, I know that's a that's a very broad answer to the question you, you asked me there. But getting back to it, like I said, I'm more fascinated with the concept of poverty theology and then and then a lot of your findings here on how people see it. And then I really am looking forward to, to kind of the discussion of like, how do we, I guess, overcome it or see it differently? Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode. We are going to pick up the conversation there next time. And until then, you're going to want to make sure that you are subscribed to our YouTube channel or that you're following us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, if you want to connect with us, you can head over to mustincrease.com. You can also see the show notes for details about content that we covered in today's episode. Well, I want to thank you for being a part of our audience and for having a part in our mission of increasing truth and inspiring hope in the lives of others right here on the Must Increase podcast. 